Okay, let's uh, carry on today with Roots and Wings. The first session the first session in our BCM4A. Okay. Uh, this 4A will have uh, six sessions, you can see here. And we encourage you to purchase this book and to follow along daily. Every day there will be uh, a Bible lesson and, uh, and then you can discuss it together in your small groups. So really, please do join a, a small group uh, for this season and I'm sure that once you go through this, you will want to continue joining the, the small group because it's just so helpful. Uh, a CG leader sent me this yesterday of root beers and wings, chicken wings. I thought it was so fun to begin this session in a cell group by having root beer and uh, chicken wings. Well, twice in the Bible, it talks about taking root below and bearing fruit above. You find that in Isaiah 37, 31, as well as 1 Kings, or 2 Kings 19, uh, verse 30. It's about being a disciple, about anchoring, rooting ourselves in God. And it's about hoping in God. It's about being given divine strength to live out this life of discipleship. It's about soaring on wings like eagles, about not growing weary in doing good, um, about loving, about serving, about not fainting, not stumbling, and not falling. Don't we all want to be such a kind of disciple? To be good disciples of Jesus Christ. Don't we want to feed well, to grow strong and healthy as Christians? Now about being fed, uh, I get this constant stream really, of uh, suggestions and sometimes even demands that, Pastor, you must preach about this and you must preach about that. I need to be fed. Uh, you should feed us topics like giving or tithing. That one comes from an elder. Like I say. At least two sermons a year must be about giving. Uh, about family life, about parenting, about marriage, about boy-girl relationship, about missions, about Old Testament, New Testament, challenge people to evangelism, uh, about uh, preaching against wrong doctrines and, and lately I have one about teaching about uh, uh, respect I said, yeah, what about respect? But respect is not to be earned oh, you must teach it like that and I want to tell you that all these suggestions I do not discard okay? I, do not, I listen carefully and then I bring it before the Lord I bring it before my fellow elders and we discuss it and very, very often, in fact, one of these topics will be just the right thing for the season. And you say, yes, I think this person is right. In this season, we should be talking about chicken wings and root beer. So we carry on. Okay, something like that. So keep on coming uh, with your suggestions and don't, 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 be, uh, don't be sad if I do not take up the suggestion uh, because it may not be just for this season, it may be for something later. Then, I also hear, but thankfully not very often, it's like, Pastor, I'm not being fed. I'm not being fed. Feed me. Feed me. Those of you who have seen this uh, little shop of horrors, right? Some musical about this plant. Feed me. Feed me. So I consult other pastors. How do you tackle this question? About feed me. Feed me. 
And so this pastor told his members, said, well, I think I see the problem. The problem is that you're only eating once a week on Sunday. That's why you're not being fed. And that's what many pastors have, have found, that you know, churches tend to run all kinds of programs, a lot of programs, but when it comes to this thing about feeding, some members don't know how to feed, they don't want to feed, they can't be bothered to feed, or, or they're not taught how to feed themselves. And that's why we, don't, we, we are stunted in our growth and we don't grow into this mature disciple of Jesus Christ. We too, in PPH, we have many programs, uh, principles, models in helping disciples to grow in maturity. Uh, for example, we start with, our, we start with this two, uh, a great commandment and the great commission. Right? The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with your heart, your heart, your soul, and your mind, and to love others as yourselves. And then the great commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel, teaching them, uh, making, make disciples, teaching them to obey uh, everything that Jesus has commanded. There's a reason for all these multicolored things, and you can see that it distills into five M's. Membership, maturity, ministry, missions, and magnify. And this is our purpose statement. Right? So this is the PPH purpose statement, we find that it is very balanced. It looks very long, but actually it's very easy to remember. You just remember five M's, right? Bring people into membership, develop them to Christ-like maturity, equip them for ministry, for life mission, and to magnify God's name, that is, to praise and to worship God. And this is distilled from the greatest commandment and the great commission. Um, And that's why we have, following this, uh, five M's, we have uh, a set of guides to, to help us. For those of you who recently went through baptism, we use this M1, Discovering Church Membership. So we go through the simple uh, basics of the faith, assurance of uh, salvation, what is the meaning of a baptism, what is the meaning of the Lord's Supper. We do that. And then we go on to M2, a fantastic model, spiritual maturity. So it talks about Bible study and uh, prayer and... Um, and, and fellowship, small groups, and all that. Now we progress to church ministry. This uh, teaches you how to serve, what is the meaning of service, and it also helps you to figure out what kind of a person you are, what are your spiritual gifts are. And then missions. This, uh, we, we focus it on, on overseas missions. We encourage you to join missions trips and uh, to understand more about preaching the gospel outside our shores or the different people group. So we have this fantastic model, M1 to M4. It's quite comprehensive. Um, and then two years ago, we started BCM, Building Christ-like Maturity. It was to be a two-year discipleship program that we're going to bring the church uh, through. And then we were thinking we could repeat it uh, for new members of the church. And the theme was Christ-likeness, to be like Jesus Christ. And our theme verse was Galatians 4.19, until Christ be formed in you. So we are forming the Christ-like nature. And the first module, BCM1, is correctly handling the word of truth that is found in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, that we are to be a workman who correctly handled the word of truth. And that's, that's why in that, uh, uh, at that time we went through Old Testament survey, New Testament survey, the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation over, I believe, eight 
eight sessions so that to give people a, a good idea of the full counsel of God, what the whole Bible is about, to whet the appetite so that uh, you will get into uh, the Bible even more yourself. And of, of the, the crucial nature of the Bible in spiritual maturity. And then we went into BCM 2, which is Emotionally Healthy spirit, Spirituality, where we found that there was a connect. People can do a lot of Bible study, but they still have some, some what I would call emotional leakage. It's like you're holding this anger or this hurt for a long, long time or this bitterness and you can't seem to get out of it. Why are we like emotionally stunted? And, and that's the, the, the few sessions that we were thinking of bringing people through it to make it even more relevant from the Bible to our heart, to our emotions and our spirit. And then early, uh, was it this year, we had BMW, Be My Witnesses, where we provided many tools uh, for us, not, not like to bash people down with the gospel, but simple tools like loving people into, into the kingdom, performing an act of kindness, just praying for the, for the person, and then simple tools as in, in sharing uh, the gospel, how to preach the gospel. And then now BCM4, Roots and Wings. Roots and Wings is a self-feeding model. That's what I hope, a self-feeding model. And I thought the whole thing is so great, no? even if I should say so myself. It's like, wow, good, no? You start with the Bible, then you talk about tackling your, your spirit and your emotions, and then you talk about uh, sharing uh, the, the gospel, and then now you have this uh, self-feeding uh, model. Uh, and if you look deeper into BCM4, into Roots and Wings, you'll be even more amazed. It's a fantastic model. You, you, it needs a large brain, and that's why I did not write this. Right? It's written by Covenant EFC, some pastor there. You think about three axes, okay? And, and this is how large this model is. First, it asks eightfold, there's an eightfold curriculum, okay, from what is God, who am I, and all that. And then each day, uh, sorry, under each topic, you go through five-day framework of uh, tackling this topic. And each day, you ask yourself four questions, okay? What, what is it? The eightfold curriculum is this. Uh, so we ask ourselves, it and all encapsulating questions. Uh, who is God? And that's biblical theology. Who's my master? Where is your allegiance? Who am I? Where is, where is your, your biblical identity? Uh, what am I called to do? Purpose. What is the ultimate uh, importance uh, in my life? That's values. Uh, what are the things I must put first? Biblical priorities. How can I be empowered? And what should I anchor my life upon? What is your biblical foundation? So these are the eight big topics. Okay, it's quite comprehensive. And in each of these topics, each day you go through something like this. Day one, you want to look at what is the human weakness? Uh, what is the common tendency or inclination of human nature? Day two, therefore, what problem results? Day three, what should we radically reorientate our, ourselves? Day four, what is the critical need? And day five, the victorious life, the empowered life of roots and wings. And each day, you then ask the what, why, how uh, questions. It says a four-question format, but actually they're cheating. It's three questions leading to an insight. Okay, let me give you an example. Okay, let's say we take uh, session five. We talk about biblical uh, identity. And over five days, we're going to be examining biblical identity. 
who am I? And the need to go beyond the self. So the first day, we're looking at our human weakness. Our human weakness is that we are preoccupied with ourselves. And the biblical passage for consideration there is Ecclesiastes 2, verse 3 to 11. Only, what is it there, nine verses? And I counted how many I, me, myself, mine. 32. 32. King Solomon was talking about himself. Why is that? Um, what, what gives man his identity? What you do is what you give your, gives your identity by and large. So why is that? Because it's me, myself, and I. And, and how, how, how to break out of it? And lastly, what is the insight? The insight is that there needs to be a constant refocusing because we have a sinful nature. Okay? Then the next day, we look at the resulting problem. The problem is that we end up loving the world instead of, of loving God. What is the problem? The problem is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Why is it so bad? It's bad because it's, it's bad. It's temporal. It's useless. If you base your life on loving these things, it's totally meaningless. You're going to end up totally miserable. How to overcome it? We need to uh, uh, remold uh, our thinking, our beliefs from loving the world to loving God. And finally, the insight, the insight is that there are eternal riches and there are rewards and there's satisfaction in life uh, that comes from this. Okay? Something like this. And then we move on. The third day, there's a, a radical re, uh, reorientation and that we are chosen people to be partakers of the divine nature. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse uh, 4 to 10, that we are like living stones being built into a spiritual house, that we are a royal people, we are a holy nation, we are sons and daughters of God. This is our identity. And then the fourth day, we look at the critical need and the need for this identity so as to escape the corruption from the world caused by sin and to participate in the divine nature. It gives a, a, a verse there for you to consider. And, and then day five will be the empowered life of roots and wings and it's all about faith. The man in Luke chapter 7 who told Jesus to just say the word and my servant will be healed. Just say the word. And the, the faith in believing all this you can read this Bible all, all four days, but you don't believe it, then it has no meaning. So in the end, it's about faith. Something like this. This whole model that we're going through. What is the desired outcome? The desired outcome is spiritual health, for growth, for transformation. And this Bible study information will lead to an inner transformation. That's what we hope. That you will love the Word of God the more you study the Word of God and then you will love the God of the Word. That you will encounter God as you ask yourself the who, what, why questions and as you go through this model and that you will do the Word of God and that you will really, really know God. And that as a small group, you will journey with other disciples and you will learn and you will teach one another. Self-feeding. And all this is supposed to lead to Christian growth and maturity and Christ-likeness, taking root below and bearing fruit above. Fantastic, right? Fantastic. But some people really don't like models like this. Huh? I just flip the Bible and I just read. Huh? When I feel like praying, I pray. Why must I do it early in the morning and, and all that? Why do we have models like this? This for fear of being unbalanced. You know? There are many Christians who are only John 3.16 uh, Christians. 
Oh, you know, God so loved the world and all that. And they do not examine the other portions of Scripture. So it's a stunted growth. Huh? You may have very big muscle here, but very weak knees or, or whatever. And there are some Christians who are Jeremiah 29 Christians. Right? All their life is like, oh, for I know uh, I, uh, uh, the plans I have for you, plans to give you hope and the future. And that's, and that's all they know. This is very good, but it's stunted. That's why we have a comprehensive model. That's why we want you to be properly M1 to M4. Okay. I'll squeeze you into a cookie cutter. That's why we want you to be properly BCM1 to BCM4. want to transform you into this card-carrying, fire-breathing, water-walking, disciplined disciples of Jesus Christ, ready to go into the world for the cause of Christ Almighty. Is that it? Kind of like this communist guy who wrote this letter that uh, I, I found. This letter was written by a young communist to his girlfriend, breaking off his relationship because he was devoted to the communist cause. Okay, in this day and age, it's, it's, it's lost its appeal because communism is sort of, sort of like, uh, yeah, it's, it's passé. But this letter was given by this girl to her pastor, and her pastor gave it to Billy Graham. And Billy Graham was so amazed by this that he published this letter. Let me read it to you. This young guy. He says, we communists have a high casualty rate. We are the ones who get shot and hung and ridiculed and fired from our jobs and in every other way made as uncomfortable as possible. A certain percentage of us get killed or imprisoned. We live in virtual poverty. We turn back to the party every penny we make above what is absolutely necessary to keep us alive. We communists do not have the time or the money for many movies or concerts or T-bone steaks or decent home or new cars. We've been described as fanatics. We are fanatics. Our lives are dominated by one great overshadowing factor, the struggle for world communism. We have a philosophy of life for which no amount of money could buy. We have a cause to fight for, a definite purpose in life. We subordinate our petty personal selves into a great movement for humanity. And if our personal life seems hard or our egos appear to suffer through subordination to the party, then we are adequately compensated by the thought that each of us, in his small way, is contributing to something new and true and better for, man, for, for, for mankind. Um, I, I, don't, I don't want to read the whole thing. So it is my life, my business, my religion, my hobby, my sweetheart, my wife, my mistress, my bread, and my meat. Da-da-da-da, it goes on. Say, wow, fantastic commitment over something as misguided as communism. And then you look at the church. We can't even come to church on time. <laughs> we can't even be punctual. We all know the demise of, of communism is, is proven to be, what is it? Not worth very much. I can't even think of a word now. But you think about this young man. Maybe dead. He may have died for communism. Or if he's not dead, then he's probably one disillusioned old man by now. Totally misguided. But you've got to admire that radical passion, that radical dedication, no matter how radically misguided. Why am I coming here? Um, some time ago, this guy, Roman, uh, Reverend Norman Wong, came to church to preach and he mentioned something. He said, uh, what is the most repeated phrase that Jesus used in the Bible? And then he stuck a microphone in my face and got me quite embarrassed because I didn't know. Uh, 
And then two weeks ago at a men's weekend, he did the same thing. Now I know. And the most repeated phrase that Jesus used in the Bible is, 15 times he said this, He who has an ear, let him hear. He who has an ear, let him hear. So I've taken this passage from Luke 14 for you to hear. He who has an ear, let him hear. And see how it might tickle your ears. Jesus says this, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and his mother, his wife and his children, his brothers and his sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, this fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 troops oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and ask for terms of peace. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So what do we hear now? Radical, isn't it? Really radical. Well, the root word of radical is root. The root word of radical is root. So what is the root of this message? It's so radical. It's so impossible. We study the Bible. A lot of us do a lot of Bible study. But don't you find that there are so many Bible studies that we do, but there is no life change? We can see in other people, you've got no life change, you've got no life change. We can be M1 to M4 to M whatever, or we can be BCM1 to BCM, we can be BSF'd, we can be BMW, we can be precept. But there is still something quite missing, don't you think? There is something wrong at the root when there is no life change and no life transformation. And what is this root? This root is right where the cross is right at the root of the cross, at the foot of the cross. I've come across so many remarks. Somebody made this remark to me once and I, and I jotted it down. This person said, this person attends so many serious and deep Bible studies, but it does not show in his life. He still has the same bitter spirit. Do you have a bitter spirit? What has all the Bible studies done that you still have this bitter spirit? And then I, I have another one that I recorded now. It says, this lady says, Bible studies are at a head knowledge level and she, this other person, is careful not to let it touch her heart because it's too painful. What if, it sounds a bit judgmental, right? So, Bible study and not touching is too painful for you. But what if the diagnosis is right for that lady or even for you? What if it is, it is right? Another one I collected, uh, I, I collect these things. No? This one says, in, the last, in these last days, we need more serious Bible studies. And it was in reference to Revelations. So that we may be blessed. 
So this person has participated in all kinds of Bible studies and lectures, particularly on Revelation. And it can tell you the ins and outs of the millennium and the seals and the scrolls and, the, and, 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 and whatever. But so that we may be blessed. Um, you know, frankly, when I read Revelations, I don't feel very blessed. In fact, I feel scared like crazy. Especially when I think of my unbelieving father, who's not yet a believer. It scares the daylight out of me. And then when I think of all the people who are not yet saved, how are they ever going to pass through those days of the Revelation? So Bible studies. I'm going to give you another one. BCM4. Fantastic model, you know. Eight, eight lessons times five days times four questions that you ask. You know what I do? We know we have a great model. We know we have a great model. As we begin our BCM4, it's only part A, okay? Part A. There's a second part that we are not doing this year yet. But what is the root? What is the root? You're going to do another Bible study? What is that root? The root is it's the foot of the cross. Huh? It's got to be. It's the point when you do a Bible study and you come to the point where you say, believe or don't believe. It's a crisis. Right? You forgive or you don't forgive. You give, you love someone or you don't love someone or you avoid someone. You serve in some menial, small job or you don't serve and you let somebody else do it and you enjoy their service. So it's a crisis of belief. You believe or you don't believe. If we believe, we will take it up, we will follow, we will obey and we will reap the benefits. We don't believe, we just brush it off as another Bible study. There will be other BCM falls, I'm sure, if not from this pastor, from some other pastor in the, in, in the future. There will be other fancy, newfangled Bible studies. If we don't believe it, ah, just another Bible study. Or worse still, we pretend to follow along and we follow along with all the right religious jargon. Yeah, until Christ is forming us, you know, correctly handling the word of truth. What did Jesus say if we are to be his, his, his disciples? Compared to our love for him, our love for our parents, and by the way, he's not saying that we hate our parents, right? It's hyperbole, 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 right? It's intentionally contrasting the love we ought to have for God versus the love we have for our parents and our brothers and sisters. Compare the two, no comparison. You compare it, it is hate. Jesus said, count the cost to build a tower. Count the cost of BCM. Count the cost of BCM. It's not just 10 bucks, 40 cents. We read Luke 14 again. Can you do it? I've read it so many times. Usually, I just dismiss it. Because this is like, what? You want me to hate my parents? You want me to count the cost? You want me to give up everything? The more I read it, the more... I've reached the conclusion that it is impossible. It is impossible to obey Luke chapter 14, the, the way Jesus wanted us to. You, you can't do it. You will not have enough money or strength or willpower or discipline or good enough mentors here or even good enough books or even good enough Bible studies to do it. It's not possible. You need a person and you need to meet this person at the root at the foot of the cross. That's about the only way I can think about it. Because there's only one person who has all the resources to do that. He's, 
This is the one person who's paid the price in full at the cross. He fulfilled all the required attainments. If you go to lectures, it required attainment. By the end of this lecture, you're supposed to do all, do all this, know all this. He's fulfilled all the KPIs. And then, he gives you this yoke that is easy, we talked about last week, and this burden that is light. And then he says, come, let's walk together. You and I, let's walk together. I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's about the only way I can find it. What did Jesus tell us? That if we are to be his disciples, what, what, what must we do? Carry the cross. Try carrying a cross. Try carrying a cross. Again, you will fail. If you could, then Jesus need not have died. Man, if man and all his resources of willpower and intellect can earn his own salvation and can build the super disciple, then Jesus need not have died. If we can understand everything in this book and in the Bible and M1 and M4 and everything else and cannot catch the crux of the love of God that came through Jesus, then it's just all knowledge. It's all knowledge. And what does the Bible say? The Bible says knowledge puffs up. I think you can feel that when you talk to friends who know so much about, about the Bible. They, serve. they even look physically puffed up. But if you can see that there's unforgiveness, this guy is just plain nasty to his domestic helper, you know, and he's a Christian. It's, that's a disconnect. So there can be Bible studies and there can be Bible studies. There can be BSF and there can be BSF. What's the difference? Why is it some people can study the Bible and then when, and, 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 and they're such unforgiving people, you know? They can shout at the bus driver and, they, and then there are other people who actually catch it, who actually catch it and you can see their life progressing. They become gentler and gentler. They become more and more peaceful. They are more and more gracious. They are kinder and kinder. What's the difference? Again, it's the crossroad. You've got to come to a crossroad in, in our study of the Bible. And every time we encounter the Word of God, we are brought before the God of the Word and we hit a crisis. We hit a crisis. What is a crisis? The crisis is a cross. That's where we are convicted. We have lust of the eyes. So easy to read one John, that passage, and then oh, I'll finish. I'll finish quiet time. Finish quiet time, and I can go go to school and go go, go to work and all that. But is it, you have lust of the eyes. That's a crisis. Do you believe you have lust of the eyes? Um, but do you believe you have lust of the eyes? Yes. That's when we are convicted by the Spirit. That's where we are at the cross. We are stuck. You go forward, but you can't go forward. Go forward means you need to ask for forgiveness. It means we need to ask the Lord Jesus to come into our lives, to forgive us, to carry us across this sin. How to fight this? Jesus was the one who fought it, right? He fought it tooth and nail. He, he, at the Garden of Gethsemane, He said, God, if you can let this cross pass from me, uh, take this cup of suffering away from me. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. That was His cross, you know? That was his crisis of belief. Can he accomplish the work that he set out to do? But he took that step and he accomplished it for us. He fought it and he won it. 
And so what do we do now? We just say, God, help us. Jesus, help me. Actually, more than that, it's Jesus, thank you for helping me. Because you've got to approach God by faith, right? God, by faith. I've got this lust of the eyes. I can't overcome it. Jesus, thank you for overcoming it for me at the cross. And now I hide behind your righteousness. Walk alongside with me. Okay, the next step I take, the next day, the next night, I'm not going to be affected by this sin anymore because you are with me. I hate my life. Why? Luke 14 says, I hate my life because I love your life. I want your life to be in mine. I want your yoke that is easy, your burden that is light. And this is the kind of discipline that we are talking about. In some strange way, there is some effort from us, but really in another strange way, it's all about Jesus. Because He is the one, we, if we would only allow Him entry into our lives. Discipline. One Timothy 4.7 talks about discipline yourselves for the purpose of godliness. To discipline means to exercise. I think that's the best analogy. You know that. So many of us know that. Exercise well, eat well, eat right. It's also a discipline of, of choice, right? Discipline is about making choices. You do this 10 times or you do this 3 hours. It's about delayed gratification. If I do this 10 times or 1 hour a day, which means I'm not going to be able to do this. It's about the choosing the difficult now in order to enjoy the delights in the future. It's about choosing the way of the cross. The Living Bible translates this verse, 1 Timothy 4.7, as spend your time and energy in the exercise of keeping spiritually fit. And, you know, these days, I've met many, many disciplined people. If I invite people tonight, I'm going to have some over uh, for, for dinner. If I serve them coffee, uh, I cannot assume that they will drink coffee. Right? So, oh, this coffee, I don't drink coffee anymore. Now, even if I serve them orange juice, uh, I cannot assume that they will drink orange juice. Because the orange juice, wow, sodium so high and sugar so high, they don't drink, you know. And chili crab or... That's where I'm going tonight. Okay? Uh, so you cannot assume that they will do it because people are so disciplined. They're really so disciplined. Um, and some of us are also very disciplined when it comes to television, right? Because we never miss an episode. That's discipline. Okay, we can all be disciplined when we want to. Actually, it is possible. It is possible. But when it comes to church, it's, it's so different. So why not be disciplined in our spiritual life and in our spiritual fitness? when there is the super trainer right next to you, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's right there for you. Why not be disciplined in counting the cost and in choosing the cross and in carrying the cross? Most of the times, we don't even bother to count because we're not going there. I know already, when I read the Bible and these Bible lessons, I'm not going there already, but I've got to finish my quiet time and then I go do something else. So why not count the cost, choose the cross and carry the cross? The, the, the Greek word for, for discipline um, can be translated as to exercise naked. Exercise naked. It's very strange. But I think Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 tells us a little bit, describes a little bit. It says, uh, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, all those people who were, who were like success in their faith, huh, who, who found the secret of living a disciplined, godly life, 
uh, surrounded by such great crowd of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Uh, this is laying aside. It's the discipline. It's laying aside. So, sin is clear. You know, you've got to sin. You've got to cut it off. Don't even lay aside. But then there are weights. Weights are simply not necessary that we are carrying uh, to, uh, on, on through life. So, with the sin, you no compromise, you cut it out. But with a weight, count the calories. Count the calories. Choose carefully what you carry through, through life. And choose the way of the cross. Don't choose the way of the carnal flesh. Choose the way of the spirit, that which makes for the eternal fruit of the spirit. So about building a Christ-like maturity, about becoming a disciple... I used to think that it's quite, quite easy. Uh. You know, you need a feedback loop, right? You do all this Bible study, and then what is a feedback loop? Uh? Does it work or not? Does it not work? You just look at the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. That ninefold fruit of, the, fruit of the Spirit, and then you list down the ninefold, and then you make an assessment uh, of where you are. Are you more loving? Are you more joyful? Are you more peaceful? And particularly, you make it for other people. <laughs> but you're not... You're, you're no judge. Uh. You're no judge. I, I found that out. Huh? Because it's like, you look at uh, love. You say, wow, this guy's so loving. He's, he's, he's cleaning up after his sick mother day in and day out. For the last nine years, he's cleaning up after uh, his sick mother. But we do not see the muttering of the resentment under the breath. And say, oh, my brother should be doing this. How come I'm the only one doing this? And what happened to all my siblings and that kind or you can see the joy in this guy is like rapturous joy in, in praising God, but you do not know the broken heart that this person is carrying. You can see me, for example, being so gentle with the floor, stand nicely next to you, pray for you, but at home I'm very harsh with my wife or, or my children. Or you can see that, wow, this guy is so self-disciplined in his diet, man. doesn't even take orange juice, you know. But when it comes to pornography, it's out of control. <laughs> out of control. Those kind of things, you can be very kind to a migrant worker and serve them dinner and, and all that, but go home, you kick the dog, that kind of thing. So it's not for us to judge. We cannot judge. The only person who can judge really is yourself. Your inner spirit witnessing with the, with the Holy Spirit. That's why in those models that we look at now, we always ask ourselves questions. Before God, in the spirit, we ask ourselves questions. What does this mean to me? What does this Bible study mean to me? What aspect of my life is God touching now. It's got to be that. I ask you, you can lie to me. You, know, you can give me a fantastic answer. Uh, but it's, it's the witness of the Holy Spirit. This, I, I hope you catch what I'm trying to say today. <laughs> yeah, I want you to do BCM, no? Bible study, and, and in, discuss in a group, but it's go deeper than that. Deeper than that. Let the Word of God touch your Okay, just in case we end up so negative today, I want to tell you my joy as a pastor in seeing spiritual growth, uh, in seeing disciples growing through the years. I talked to you last Sunday uh, about uh, Juvenile and Amandi. Okay, this one I can, like, after five years, I, I see and, and see how they grow, how they count the cost and how they chose the cross. Right? For example, we talk about this guy, Amandi. What is the cost 
the cost is that he's going to lose the respect of all his mates in school, you know, by doing women's work at home. That's the cost. But he chose to do it. It was the right thing to do. Who gave him the strength? Who gave him this? I think he's, uh, he's, he's about 20 years old now. Who gave him the strength? Jesus. He counted the cost. He chose the cross. And he's a better man uh, for it. Um, just a few days ago, uh, a, a man called me and said, Hey, I, I want to lead my friend's father uh, to Christ. You know, he's on his deathbed. Okay, he just died last night. And, and I want to help him to pray through the sinner's prayer. How to do? Uh? Say, you don't know. I mean, you've been a Christian so many years. Uh, so we, we worked through that. And you know, when he went in there, there was a cost for him. Because for some reason, uh, well, not for some reason, all the other siblings were, were not Christians and they were of a different other religious persuasion. And, and there was persecution. So the cost was like, wow, your brother, your sister, and all their, their religious friends are all here. And, and I'm here like alone. The cost. But he chose. He chose it. And, and I haven't caught up the full story yet, but for some reason, he was able to get into the room with his friend and the father. And all the other people were chanting and making a loud noise outside. I'm not quite sure whether he actually uh, received the Lord Jesus or not, but he chose it and carried the cross and he was able to be blessed. I mean, for all eternity, he will be blessed. I did my, even if the father did not receive Christ, I did my best in bringing the gospel. And who knows in, in, in whether he was totally alert or not, that, that, that seed of faith actually germinated. We, we sometimes we do not know. So, he counted the cost, he picked up the cross, carried it. I think of people that I turn to for gracious words and, and interpretation sometimes. You know, When I come across a very difficult counselling kind situation or sometimes even office stuff and I will go to such a person and I, I can be assured that this person will calm me down and will tell me the most gracious interpretation of the events. So it gives me a totally different life. How come this person has got such a sanctified character? They chose it. They chose it and through years of development. And, and, and there are people who, who serve so committedly that it's incredible. I tell you this, that there are people in PPH who take leave. And these are, are people who earn high salaries, okay? who take half a day leave to prepare to lead a prayer meeting. Just to lead a prayer meeting. I, I find that just mind-boggling. That the extent of, of commitment, the counting the cost, and think, this is what I want to do. And there are people who I've observed through the years, some are really anti-establishment ones. You know? Whenever this person stands up to speak, I'm scared already. It's like, what is he going to say about pastor or leadership or what this time. But through the years again, I've seen that hey, this guy is really toned down and even come up to me and say, hey, I was like that in the past, I actually now no more. Still got a bit, lah, but I know where he's going. He's really counting the cost, taking up the cost and really asking God to help him to suppress his rebellious nature. And people coming for, for help, whether it's pornography, sometimes even homosexuality. This is a sin. I know it. This is a cost. I'm going to pay it. And I want 
help to overcome this. All this, and just progressing from faith to faith, from, from one degree of glory to another, towards Christ, Christ-likeness. And I, and I pray and I hope that BCM4, plus any other Bible studies that you do, will have that. Right. So you read the Bible, you read all these good guides, it must always come to a cross. Make a decision. Count the cost. Carry the cross. You believe? Do it. You don't believe? It's, it's all wasted anyway. Right. So come to that crisis of belief. Yeah, that's what I have to say. Uh, no three-point sermon, but I, I want to share my heart with you. It's something that I go through myself. That, yeah, you. I think I study the Bible more than most people, like, especially when you have to prepare sermons. But it's that part which touches and changes your life, and you find that it's, it's all worthwhile. That God is real. God is real. When you can conquer a bitterness, you can conquer an inter, uh, inner hurt, and you can uh, practice the fruit of the Spirit in a real way. Let me ask the musicians to come forward. Um, I want to bring you through this song, which is quite an amazing song, uh, Breakthrough for Me. This is a song that we use in our men's uh, weekend, and written by a friend of mine, actually, again, from, from uh, a lay person, a DBS banker from, from Covenant EFC. One day he said he was just driving back from KL or somewhere, and he said, the whole song appeared to him all at once. You know, I've seen people write songs. Right? They, they write, write the lyrics, then they correct, and then they re-correct and re-correct, and then they play on the piano, and then they change this melody and change that melody. This guy said this whole thing came, which is a good thing. Then he's got nothing to be proud of because it came from God. It came from God for him. And I, I thought the words of this song is such a good means for us to pray now. Okay, so let's, let's rise. Breakthrough for me. Let's use this song as, as a prayer to God. Every time we hit the Word of God, we encounter the God of the Word, we come to a crisis, we believe, we grow. If we don't believe, it's wasted.
of this song express the cry of your heart I don't know how many of us feel like Bible studies are just dry almost a duty God would you draw near so that we would know you more Word of God, the God of the Word will open our heart's doors, fill us with the Spirit, Spirit of power, of love, to overcome inner hurts, overcome prejudices, overcome some of the things which are really hardened in us, that sometimes we don't even realize they're still there. lives to be transformed. Lord, break in. Some of us here, you, you may well be very aware of some areas in your life that you, you are seeking a breakthrough in. 
Pray now. Pray now. Lord, break into my life. Let the word of God wash. Wash over us. Represent us in Christ under the shadow of His wings. Just covered like a loving Father covering us. That we are righteous, cleansed, healed, restored, whole before Him. Yes. The days to come as we embark on roots and wings, the more we feel rooted, the more we are able to rise. The more we bring joy to the Father's heart, the more we bring joy to other people's hearts. Because there is transformation in our lives. So let me open up the altar now. Some area in life you want to pray for a breakthrough. Some inner hurt or some bitterness especially. The inability to forgive is one of the things that that really messes up our lives. Spiritually as well as physically. Even to the point of illness. Come to the Lord. Be spiritually healthy. Some of us may feel very dry in our spiritual life. Some may have had this accusation in your mind time and again that what kind of a Christian are you? After all these years, what kind of a disciple are you? Recognize this voice. It's not from God. This voice is from the evil one. I want to cut you down. I want to put this sense of guilt in you to make you useless. But God is here to restore us. God is here to put His wings around us and to love us and to restore us and to raise us up as on wings of eagles. So would you come to Him? Let me just say a closing prayer. Perhaps you might like to sit down and reflect a little bit more. What does it mean to reflect? (laughs) To put ourselves before the Word of God like in a mirror and then we can see the contrasts and the areas that He wants to point out in our lives. Not as condemnation but as a loving Father wanting to to bring us out from from what is negative into what is positive. That's what God wants to do. So let's pray together and then you can have some of your own time and if you wish to have someone pray with you, then just come right up to the front and we'll be very, very happy to pray pray with you. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your word to us. Lord. Harsh words we think in Luke 14, but, but then again not. Because they are spoken by Jesus who paid it. Paid in full. I've done it for you. God, I pray you would 
Help us to imbibe this, Lord. That the Lord Jesus has been there and done that for us. And He welcomes us to share, partake of the divine nature, which is what we are, holy sons and daughters of the living God. God, I pray that this reality will sink in. That as we embark and continue on our journey with you to bear this yoke that is easy, this burden that is light, we will find true joy in doing so. That as we come before your word daily, especially through this fantastic 8x5x4 model of BCM4, that you will bring us to the foot of cross each time. Help us to navigate through that crisis of belief. And we believe you, Lord. We don't believe the world. We don't even believe our own hearts. We believe you. What you tell us in the Word about man, about sin, about ourselves, about joy, about peace, kindness, goodness. And we will break through every time. And we will live lives abundant, full of joy in the Spirit. So God, I pray this blessing upon all my brothers and sisters here. Lord. Day after day, we will encounter and meet the God who is love. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.